and thank you for tuning in for this episode of Cleared Cast. I'm Katie Keller. I'm the Editorial Communications Manager with ClarenceJobs.com. And today I am joined by our very own Jilly Ham, aka Jill <laughs> Hamilton. She is the editor on our new site. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jill. Thanks for having me. It's so good to be here. We're here for the Cleared Brief Roundup. So let's chat about what's happening on the news site this past week. In intelligence, we started out the week looking at the race we have for artificial intelligence. Jack Butler kicked us off on Monday. And it's just such an interesting thing to think about where it's kind of comparing it to the space race that we used to have to now with this race for artificial intelligence, which really just needs a little bit more cohesive approach as well as funding, of course, in order to get past a lot of the red tape in using it, which is understandable because we don't want it misused. That's a lot of concern that's out there. So it was a really helpful take on that. And then Christopher Burgess helped us look at the, is it Dixon Yu? (laughs) He had, yeah, just using the algorithms in LinkedIn in order to track people that are in the intelligence community. He had a whole fake consulting shop set up then uh, would pull them in <laughs> and get information from them to send back to China. I don't know, did you read the first person account down in there? Down uh, in the I article did. That was really interesting. I was happy to see that Christopher had these. I know that he had reached out to a couple of people, one that declined to comment. That was really interesting to read on the news site for sure. Right. Um, that would have to be a really weird thing to be like, I. I remember that guy reaching out to me and I, I deleted him and then now I see him in the news. Right. Nice try. Well, and you know, the great thing that I will point out is Dixon Yao was the, um, the name that he was going by, but mm-hmm. he did have another name. And then the name of his fake consulting shop was Resolute Consulting. So mm-hmm. I actually did a quick search on the clearance job site to make sure that we weren't infiltrated and we were A-OK, which is good. Good. Those were the main highlights. We did obviously covered a bit with China, the Houston consulate being moved and different paths forward. Christopher helped us look into that as well because it was a little bit, a lot of a lot of those were hitting <laughs> one right after another these past couple of weeks. So. Well, and the one thing to take into account with the AI race, I have an interesting love-hate relationship with artificial intelligence because I do believe it has a place. You know, I mm-hmm. there are companies that are working on AI detecting active shooters, which I think is right. very cool and very important. But it is something that can be abused. But one thing that I think companies, specifically in the article relating to Silicon Valley, and if you are the owner of a company that does have tech that could be exploited by another nation or adversary. It has a lot of implications with the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, aka Mm -hmm. CFIUS. I think it is just something like insider threat, just thinking about it at the forefront so it's not too late. Exactly. No, it's good. I think it, it was helpful to say, but we still actually have to make this investment and not ignore, or just because there's red tape that's helpful, to slow things down so that we don't get too far ahead of ourselves, we still have to keep pushing the boundaries to see what's the art of the possible so that we're not behind. <laughs> so it's always that weird balance. But then we looked into different things, of course, on security clearances. My favorite this week was Lindy Kaiser's interview with Jeffrey Bennett. Wrapped up the book club. He wrote The Insider's Guide to the Security Clearance. 
And she had the live event with him going over the different processes, different misconceptions that candidates or clearance holders might have about either the clearance process to obtain it or what it takes to keep it. Um, so that was a really helpful session up on our YouTube page as well as it's still over on Facebook that you can go back and watch or you could check out the article on the website. But it really details how important it is to go after the jobs that you want and go after getting the skills and the education and the certifications that you need and then worry about the clearance part afterwards. I think sometimes we get really wrapped up on, I need a clearance to do a good job. Well, you need the skills and the experience and the education. <laughs> to get a good job. And then hopefully, ideally, would just so it lines up with, with having the security clearance, but to not count yourself out of getting a clearance, be overly focused on that. Just make sure you have the skills because that will is what really is going to keep you holding a job as well. It was helpful too because you had the article, three ways to get your foot in the door, like before you have a clearance, which also kind of looked at that as well, where it's there's just different ways to get linked up with different companies and here again, like going after like, these are what my skills are and trying to work your way into a company and then see if you can get on a classified project or different ways. I don't know if you had sure. thoughts on, on that. It's funny you mentioned with uh, Jeffrey Bennett and Lindy Kaiser's conversation, people do get bogged down by these details that really are self-sabotaging almost. My point, you know, when I was a recruiter, I was constantly being, people were reaching out to me about, how, do I, how the heck do I get a security clearance? There are these strategies that targeting companies that have the time to invest. Uh, mm -hmm. I've only supported small defense contractors and they just don't have the resources or the time. Yeah. The overhead's just not there, yeah. Yeah, and so targeting companies like that, but then also, you know, of course we would all love to be working in a skiff. I don't know actually who would, <laughs> but, um, you know, working on, on you know, TSSCI with, you know, full scope poly. Everybody wants to get to that pinnacle of whatever the top of the security clearance totem pole is. But, you know, starting on a public trust project that maybe doesn't take much time to get a public trust. And then that company sees your skill set, you get your foot in the cleared door, and then they can submit you for another project that they have that's maybe at the secret or something higher. And for me, that's what I did. I... I actually got a job right out of, soon after graduating college, for a contractor, and then got an interim secret clearance. Granted, things back then moved a little bit faster on the interim route, mm -hmm. but, um, and then as went going on, going up to the next level of clearance, and yeah, it just, it, I didn't focus first on the clearance, granted, because I was new and didn't know what I was looking for but it was more about just getting your foot in the door with a contractor. Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of times, even on contracts that have, that are classified, there's unclassified work that you can support while you're waiting for your clearance to come in. You just have to be willing to be flexible as well. Like you can't right. just expect everything to just come through right away. Right. That's not how the government works. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and another strategy, I feel defense contractors are constantly looking for staffing support. Do what I did and become a recruiter, work on overhead mm. staff, help to staff some of these projects, and then they can submit you for, you know, that interim clearance or something else on another project. Exactly. There yeah. are ways you just got to be very creative. Very you do. Creative. So what else on the news site this past week in career advice? So we promised we'd look at virtual conferences, whether or not they're worth it. Greg Stewart had a great piece on that 
bottom line is still yes. I think the, the main takeaway with virtual conferences to think about is there is a lot of different values that you could still get from them. Like if you were gonna go to a conference anyway, you might as well still just go because it's gonna take less time to travel and you're not gonna have like the hotel costs. You're gonna be able to take less time away from your daily job, like the daily work that you gotta keep up with. So the impact to you is so much less. So any level of value that you get from that is great because you didn't invest as much time as you did before when you had to travel somewhere. Even if the conference is a little bit of a dud, you, you didn't really invest to the same level as you, you would have previously when you had to fly and stay overnight and do a whole, and then try to like scurry around getting your normal work done. Mm -hmm. So, but there's just, I think companies, the people that host the conferences are taking extra measures as well to bring a good level of value to virtual conferences. And he even highlighted some of them are offering free packages. So literally you have nothing to lose except for a couple right. of hours that you saved when you weren't commuting. <laughs> That's yeah. exactly right. And, it, you know, it's almost the same with career fairs right now. You mm -hmm. know, you're not traveling, so why the heck not, right? Right. You just have nothing to lose. You never know. So don't close the door before you try walking through it first. Totally. So. And then I really loved your article on, I think it was yours, from Regis Philbin. Was. Yeah. I yeah. just, you know, when I saw the news Friday night, I think it was last Friday, I just felt so sad and so nostalgic where it was like a piece of my high school, college life. And I just always just respected him. He was so kind and humble and gracious in the way he interacted with others. But he had such a long career. Like he hung up his hat from live with Regis and Kelly. He was 80 years old. And then the other thing, as I read more about him, you know, like and I love that he was a Navy supply officer. So he was like the ultimate military transition. But he graduated college in 1952. They got the more, I think it's called the morning show. I'd have to go back and look, but, and before it became live with Regis and Kathy Lee, it was mm -hmm. first called that. That was 1983. So almost 30 years after graduating college, he finally gets a big break. And even then he's still pushing, 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 takes on who wants to be a millionaire, even though he's got this successful daytime show. I feel like there's a lot to learn with that for our careers. Like we want things to pop in the microwave and come back out the next day and the executive level, but it really does take a lot of hard work and a lot of grit to keep with everything and to not just give up and think, oh, I failed at that this week. I must be a failure. But no, you just, you keep, keep going, you know? It's a good reminder that you can take some of these lessons from other industries and definitely apply it to this, you know, national security field or working in the IC. You just got to keep at it. The I think career advice on the lessons from leadership is pretty much it's pretty universal, regardless of what field you are in sometimes. I mean, working with the federal government always has its different caveats and, you know, acronyms and whatnot. But at the same time, there are some lessons that we can take even from the, um, the industry that we can apply here. So it's elbow grease. And mm -hmm. uh, if you fail, try, try again. Exactly. That's that's still the case. <laughs> Even like what we learned that as kids and like it's still the same when we're adults, you know. Mm -hmm. On Friday, we post about surveyed employees during the COVID-19 pandemic about what it's been like to work in the defense industry. There's a variety of different agencies and um, whether or not they felt like their employers were keeping up with 
safety precautions, you know, how likely they are to look for new jobs. It was really encouraging. It's it it just reinforces a lot of other things that we have already been saying that now is still the time to go on a job search within the national security field. There are a lot of clear jobs out there and contracts are continuing on. National threats do not stop because there's a there's a pandemic. It did show that at least it was nice that 84 percent of people working in the national security field have not been impacted at all with their jobs. And only 12 percent said their hours had been cut. Four percent have been laid off or furloughed. So it was very small, the amount within our industry that have actually had major impacts at this point to their jobs. And a lot of them still are willing to go out and looking. Like there, there are many that have been happy with how the industry has responded to their safety concerns, their health. With, and and I, I feel that like with friends who've worked for federal agencies, it's basically like been, take care of yourself, being willing to be flexible how we go about to come together and meet the mission needs, but really making sure like the people are okay is what I have witnessed firsthand. But even the numbers on the survey have supported that, which has been great. No, that is good to hear. And I know that we've spoken a lot at Clearance Jobs about how the national security field is insulated from things like this because those threats don't stop. But one thing to whether you're passive, active, whether you're not looking at all, just keep in mind that if your contractor, if you are, you know, let go, hours cut, or if you're not happy that the way that they're handling the virus, there are companies out there that are doing so amazing at handling their employees, being flexible with them. If their school district hasn't decided what is going to happen in the fall and, you know, being flexible with their time, saying as long as you put in your hours and get your work done. I don't care if it's nine o'clock at night after the kids go to bed for right. a few hours. So there are companies out there that are being flexible in that way. So if you do have the, you know, the inkling that you aren't happy with the way your company's handling it, definitely refresh your profile on clearancejobs.com. Yeah, for sure. No, that's good. And we are going to be looking at that a little bit. August yeah. is education month for us here on the new site at Clearance Jobs. So while I'm going to be looking at whether or not an MBA is worth it, posts on the uh, post 9-11 GI Bill, Ron Ness will be reporting on that. We're also going to look about at the impact of, you know, balancing being home educators mm-hmm. <laughs> and also keeping up with our workload. Because I know, like, for the D.C. area, the schools were set to have some hybrid options available and some virtual and then just recently, after parents were pushed to make a selection, they're like, actually, just kidding. It's all virtual in the fall. So so parents are going to be dealing with these young children back in their homes yeah. again, virtual mm-hmm. school. And and I feel like the spring was this time where we were like, okay, whatever we got to do, everybody's going to do it. Well, it's kind mm-hmm. of a whole new ball game in the fall where, okay, we can't actually not educate these kids. Like they, they actually need to be either in school or have something robust. Parents still have to get work done. So what's that going to look like? So we'll just be looking at how the focus is a little bit different this fall. And those companies that are good at supporting their, their employees are really going to rise to the top in that. Absolutely. You know, I really feel for one of my good friends who's down in Southwestern Virginia, Three children, one seven, one four, and one two. 
So she is having to, you know, educate her kids, but also she has toddlers that she's going to be dealing with and trying to get work done. It's right. kind of a nut house, but you know, I think that with parents, when it comes to balancing your career, your children's education, and then just not burning out, there are ways that we just have to get creative. Again, we just have to mm-hmm. really focus on that flexibility trait that we're all striving to have and, you know, start to come up with these creative ideas, like almost like a parenting co-op. And, you know, while yeah. we can teach outside, totally rely on that, you know? Right. So I'll be interested to see how this fall goes. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure many people are thinking about that. We're also going to announce our August book club this week. I'm not going to spill the beans yet. I did download it on Kindle and started reading and it's really good. Stay okay. tuned for that this week for a new book. It's a good one. Excellent. So yeah, can we, we'll find an article on the news site for that. And then we'll also be posting that on social. So stay tuned for the yeah. big reveal. <laughs> we'll bring the drama. <laughs> right. Cool. So anything else that we can expect to see on the news site this week? Any breaking news? Well, we'll see what's breaking. Hopefully things stay peaceful. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, of course, we always have our great leadership pieces by uh, Steve Leonard. I always look forward to those every Tuesday. Uh, We have some of our usual slots each week. I did add this past week, Test Your Knowledge Thursday. So I think this week we'll be testing our knowledge on government acronyms. Last week it was on Security Clearance Kind of 101. This week should be on government acronyms. So, you know, Jilly, <laughs> I posted on our Instagram some of those quiz questions from the Security Clearance 101, and you would be so surprised to see how many folks thought companies paid for security clearances. Yeah. I used to think that. I did Because I think sometimes com- companies act like it's a bargaining chip, maybe. I don't know. Right. Like, oh, I don't know if we're going to want to go for that. But really, it's the taxpayer the government's paying for it. Right. Not that we should be like all free with that, <laughs> but I think it's not something that the company is putting the bill for. So, or right. the individual, well, you can't pay yeah, for it yourself. I, that, but that was a huge candidate misconception. Even when I was, at, when I was working recruiting, they would say, Oh, the company just doesn't want to pay for it. And it's like, well, that it's not technically true. Right. It's so, more about lost billing hours for a company. Exactly. So for a company exactly. position, they just can't have you sitting on overhead because right. they're not, they make money when they're charging for contracts. And so right. if you're not chargeable or billable, then mm-hmm. you kind of have somebody you're just paying for and you're not seeing <laughs> money right. coming in for. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that. Test your knowledge. So that's really exciting. Everybody can stay yeah. tuned for that. That's right. Each week, every Thursday, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hold us to it. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, that's all we have time for today. If you love us, click the subscribe button and give us a follow. You won't want to miss next week on Cast when we actually sit down with Vince Houghton, who is the curator and historian at the International Spy Museum in D.C. So if you have any thoughts or questions about security clearances or you just want us to dive a little bit more on a specific topic, you can send us a direct message on our social media sites or you can send us a note at editor at clearancejobs.com. Thank you.